At least 8 out of 10 among the 3.3 billion people in the global workforce have had their workplace fully or partially closed. This according to the International Labor Organization and the group's director general, Guy Ryder, who says that uh, workers and businesses, both in developed and developing nations, are facing catastrophe. So to discuss the impact of the pandemic and how it is devastating the working population around the world, particularly Asia, we're very pleased to be joined by ILO's labor economist, Dr. Christian Vigelin, on the line right now. Hello. Yes, hello. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. So the uh, impact of COVID-19 mentioned in the uh, ILO's recent uh, report includes uh, job loss and, and reduced working hours. Can you just briefly share the details of the organization's findings? Yes, sure. Um, With pleasure. So, I mean, the impact of COVID-19 that we see on the global labor market is really huge and unprecedented. And in fact, um, we've just uh, yesterday come out uh, with an update of of our numbers. So uh, what we see now is actually a global loss of working hours of 10.5%. And just to give you an idea, this corresponds actually to the working time of 305 million full-time workers. So this uh, just uh, shows you actually the scale of the impact. And of course, uh, I mean, it's not like that, that necessarily 300 million jobs will be lost. Um, Mm. I mean, this includes, of course, uh, workers that are going to be unemployed, but it also includes workers that uh, they would actually like to work more hours, but they are unable to do so. And it also includes workers yeah, that simply work less and uh, yeah have less incomes because of that. So yeah, so we look right. actually at working hours and not unemployment uh, to take into account really um, yeah all dimensions uh, of the whole impact. What about then uh, for our particular interest, obviously uh, the Asia region? Yeah, for Asia actually we, we estimate a drop in working hours for the current quarter of uh, ten point uh, of ten point zero percent, ten percent. And we've also done an estimate for the first quarter of this year. So there, the drop in working hours um, was 6.5%. So, uh, yeah, in the first quarter, actually, it was this uh, region, Asia-Pacific region, that was mainly actually behind the drop in in global hours that we estimated for the first quarter, which was uh, globally 4.5%. We always talk about... uh current crises and try to compare to past crises, uh, whether we're talking about, let's say, the 1997 Asian financial crisis, the 2008 uh, financial crisis uh, uh, when the uh, firm Lehman Brothers collapsed. How does the current situation compare to past financial, maybe even health uh, epidemic crises? Yeah, I mean, this crisis is certainly the worst crisis that we have seen since uh, World War II. I think there is little doubt uh, about that. And uh, it is uh, so huge because it has really this global scale and affects almost all countries in the world, which is, I think, uh, a bit different from previous crises that we have seen. I mean, you just mentioned the financial crisis of 2008. So just to give you an idea, the financial crisis at the time caused an increase in global unemployment of 22 million. So now we estimate for the current quarter a drop in working hours that corresponds to the working time of uh, 305 million full-time workers. So this is just uh, yeah, to illustrate the, the scale of the current crisis compared to the previous financial crisis. I mean, of course, these numbers are perhaps not directly comparable because one is about um, unemployment. The other one, uh, the estimate that we have come up with, is about uh, loss in working hours. Right. And also the, the t- 
22 million is based on annual data, while, while the other number is really about the current uh, quarter. But nevertheless, I think it, it gives you an idea. And then you mentioned previous health crisis. I mean, there it's, it's quite uh, similar because, uh, I mean, the, the previous crisis, like thinking back about uh, Ebola or SARS or MERS, I mean, all these uh, viruses or diseases were actually um, restricted to a certain number of countries, mm. and they were really at a certain point brought under control, um, while this current crisis has really uh, a global scale, because, uh, yeah, the virus, uh, this virus uh, did not stop uh, across any border. And uh, with this virus, it's affecting different countries in different ways, uh, at different timelines, and uh, affecting economies uh, in uh, different scales of devastation. How would you assess how countries in the region are responding uh, differently as far as maybe closing the, the social polarization gaps, uh, 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 providing health care? South Korea is one of the countries that is uh, trying to use uh, some fiscal measures, uh, pump it into uh, the health system, uh, various stimulus packages. Uh, generally, how does the ILO uh, evaluate Korea's efforts? Mm-hmm. I mean, generally, what we see is that, uh, I mean, all countries are impacted by the health pandemic, uh, by, by this crisis, and uh, all countries have uh, developed or are developing, or at least many countries are developing policy packages that really respond to their particular circumstance, which might still be a bit uh, different. So what we argue at the ILO is really that the response to this crisis should really essentially be based on four pillars. So one, what is very important is uh, to protect workers in the workplace. And this is especially important uh, when we start uh, discussing about uh, yeah, moving uh, perhaps uh, some workers back to the workplace um, at a certain point. So this is really about strengthening uh, safety and health measures at the workplace. And also, um, yeah, adapt uh, working arrangements to provide possibilities for teleworking wherever this is possible. Mm-hmm. Also ensuring um, access to paid leave, for example. Then another pillar is certainly to stimulate economic and labor demand. So that's where fiscal policies, monetary policies come in, or also like the support to specific sectors. And then what is very important is to support um, jobs, incomes, and also enterprises. So there, um, yeah, social protection is key really to, to, to ensure that everyone has access to some uh, basic floor of, uh, of social protection. Yeah, and also uh, measures to kind of try to keep workers um, at uh, at work or keep workers not at work but employed um, at least. Mm. And finally, um, yeah, social dialogue should really play a key role in, in developing those uh, measures. So a social dialogue between governments, workers, and employers to really find right. uh, common solutions. And international labor standards are really the the standards that uh, provide a strong foundation for, for these measures that countries uh, adopt. Yeah. Yeah, for me personally, as someone who used to live in in the United States, it really has exposed uh, this uh, kind of idea of the privileged few, the haves and and the have-nots, and people who are, uh, let's say, in vulnerable positions working in uh, roles like, let's say, the so-called essential workers. They have to go to work because they are physically intensive labor. Uh, They're not getting the benefits. Or people who are out of work and just simply cannot afford to telecommute or or be at home. Uh, It is really exposing these gaps. Uh, How does the ILO advise countries to strengthen the social safety net? Yeah, I mean, as you rightly point out, I fully agree with you. That's really kind of a, a wake-up call for the global community to strengthen social protection systems. So just to give you a number, for example, only one in five workers globally has actually access to unemployment benefits. And of course, uh, this is hitting countries now now very hard, and uh, especially workers. And uh, yeah, also this shutdown has exposed some weaknesses of what we call uh, work casualization or non-standard forms of employment. 
so, so some uh, um, call, call this type of a geek work. So, I mean, when times are good and, uh, yeah, when the economy is booming, maybe, you know, like you can consider it as something positive that, uh, yeah, you are free to, to choose your, uh, for who you are working, whenever you're working, wherever you, you, uh, and, and to work wherever you, whenever you want. But basically, in times uh, of crisis like this one, uh, it really um, hits back on, on, on countries because, uh, yeah, workers, uh, these type of workers usually don't have access to social protection. And it's really important to um, safeguard the quantity as well as the quality of employment, and this response must be based on international labor standards. And related to social protection, I mean, uh, various elements are very important um, these days. I mean, uh, starting from effective access to quality health care, income security during sick leave and quarantine, some sickness benefits, preventing job losses, and as I mentioned, provide unemployment benefits, um, income, income security through pensions, family leave and care policies for those um, that you also mentioned that cannot telework, and also really uh, facilitate the delivery of, of, of help and support mm. to adapt uh, administrative procedure and uh, delivery mechanisms to really um, deliver aid quickly and uh, effectively, as quickly and effectively as possible to, to those that are in right. Well, I, I want to leave with a final question here because uh, it is uh, a day that we should take note of. Labor Day, International Workers' Day uh, in South Korea, this day is not designated as a legal holiday. Uh, what would the ILO uh, think about this and what, what is the meaning and purpose and why this day is special? Yeah, I mean, this day is really special because it's, it's in a way a day to celebrate and honor the contributions that workers are making to our societies and economies. And it's also a reminder of the importance of international labor standards. And I mean, especially in this crisis, when we really also see that, um, yeah, um, this crisis affects uh, particularly vulnerable groups like uh, informal workers disproportionately. And uh, yeah, also, um, for example, domestic workers, migrants, um, so what we also found in, the, in our recent estimate is that uh, globally 1.6 billion informal workers are either affected through lockdowns and, uh, because they work, and or because they work in the harvested sectors, such as retail trade or accommodation and food services. So these 1.6 billion informal workers are really at the, at the lower end of the, if I, if I say like this, of, of um, yeah, I mean, uh, they are the worst uh, impacted. Mm. And it's really important to think also about uh, what uh, they make uh, as a contribution to societies and economies. And, uh, yeah, right. I think the Labor Day is actually a good opportunity to really uh, consider this. And, uh, yeah, also, of course, now, um, yeah, um, really concentrate all efforts to make sure that um, that uh, these right. workers uh, still can continue to have some, some income. Yeah. We'll definitely think about all of those things on this uh, Labor Day. Uh, Dr. Viglin, thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate all your insights. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much.